Hello and welcome in. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Frary and Smith podcast. Week four provided further proof why the Sun Belt is the most exciting group of five conference in the country. The league earned a fourth Power Five win, and three teams are still undefeated after four weeks. Georgia State's off to their best start in program history after beating Coastal Carolina on Thursday night. Marshall earned their second Power Five win in as many years against Virginia Tech. James Madison survived a scare and moved to 4-0 for the fourth consecutive season. Troy and Arkansas State earned big home wins. South Alabama and Caden App State, they slipped up this weekend while Louisiana and Texas State continued to build their resumes as contenders in what's suddenly a wide-open West division. Today on episode 120 of the show, it's time to recap week four. We're going to break down the biggest moments from the weekend and take a look at some of the top storylines four weeks into the season. Caden, the excitement around the league, it's at an all-time high after four weeks. We've seen not one, not two, not three, but four Power Five upsets so far this season. The league had another strong out-of-conference showing this weekend as well. Give me just your overall thoughts on week four for the Sun Belt. Yeah, no, another great week. And obviously one where the headliner and the biggest allure and the biggest appeal goes to that Power Five win, getting another one for this conference. You could just hear on multiple broadcasts when people were talking about the Sunbelt Conference. It's clear that their status amongst the other conferences is the top group of five conferences. And one of the most competitive and best conferences out has been solidified. But I think now as we head into conference play, one of my biggest takeaways, I think it's a little bit too early to call teams contenders versus pretenders, but we're now starting to see as we get to conference play, maybe which which of these teams are ones that we may be down on or maybe up on and maybe could show us going into conference play what to be more promised about. I think a lot of teams had strong showings that maybe we didn't expect, maybe some weaker showings that we didn't expect. So very excited to get into conference play now as we've kind of gotten a big, a big four-week picture of what these teams are and what they could possibly be getting into the most important time of the year. Well, like we do every Monday, we're going to start this episode with the Sunbelt scoreboard. So, Caden, sit back, relax as I review all the results from around the conference in week four. Then Caden and I are going to take an in-depth look at some of the Sunbelt's top games from the weekend. The week started on Thursday when Georgia State took on Coastal Carolina in Conway, South Carolina. Coastal Carolina coming into that game, Caden was a six-and-a-half-point favorite in that one, but it was Georgia State that improved to 4-0 with a 30-17 win. Marcus Carroll ran for 150 yards and a touchdown. GSU held Coastal Carolina to just three points in four red zone trips. Grayson McCall, though, did pass the 9,000 career passing yard mark in this game. GSU ultimately too much as they pick up their first 4-0 start in program history. Moving on, Troy Western Kentucky on Saturday. This one in Troy, Alabama. Troy, three and a half point favorites. Failed to cover the spread, but came up with a big win, 27-24 over the Hilltoppers. This was a dominant performance for Troy. The offense put up nearly 521 yards. Gunnar Watson, a huge day. Chris Lewis continued to rack up Sports Center top 10 catches. The defense, Caden, dominant in this one. We'll talk about that later on. And Troy rebounds nicely from that JMU loss. Marshall, Virginia Tech, this one was the big one this weekend. The Herd, a five-point favorite. They win it 24-17 to remain undefeated. Marshall for the second straight year with a Power 5 win. They would ride a big second quarter in this game to the win. Rashina Lee continued to assault opposing defenses. He has three straight two-plus touchdown games this year. The defense dominant against Virginia Tech, holding them to just two of 13 on third down. And now Marshall, one of three perfect teams still in the Sun Belt. Georgia Southern, Ball State, and Muncie, Indiana, 
Georgia Southern, a six and a half point favorite. Caden, this one was dominant. 40 to three victory over Ball State. Georgia Southern responding nicely. Davis Brin, Caden, I called my shot on Friday's episode. He had four touchdowns in this game, 530 yards of offense. OJ Arnold had a big game. And Caden, this was the best defensive performance in the Clay Helton era. Just 197 yards of total offense given up, only 37 on the ground for Ball State. Georgia Southern 3-1 facing Coastal Carolina on national television in Week 5. South Alabama Central Michigan, Caden, biggest disappointment of the weekend. South Alabama 15-point favorite. They lost this one by 4. Huge letdown for this program after that Oklahoma State win in Week 3. Colin Lacey, LaDamian Webb each had a pair of touchdowns. Uh, defense, though, struggled in this game. They allowed Central Michigan to pick up 9 of 13 third downs. They give up 350 yards of offense. They had a costly penalty late that ultimately sealed the deal and now heading to JMU 2-2 two and two on the season. And Caden, those New Year's Six Bowl aspirations have been shattered in Mobile. Old Dominion, Texas A&M in Norfolk. Caden, another ugly game in this one. Old Dominion, after the good start to the season, they win barely over what was a Division II program a year ago. Uh, win this one 10-9. They're 2-2 two and two on the season. Grant Wilson benched for Jack Seals. Big field goal with six minutes left to take the lead. And Texas A&M Commerce drives down, picks up a touchdown, goes for two in the win with 28 seconds left. And thankfully, Lamarion James there to pick it off once again. ODU survives what could have been an embarrassing loss. App State, Wyoming, Caden, we're not going to spend much time on this episode. I know we might need to do a bonus pod uh, with some of your thoughts. App State, a two and a half point underdog. They lose by three. They dominated this game, but watched a 12-point fourth quarter lead disappear. A blocked field goal for a touchdown with a minute 52 downed the Mountaineers. A late Joey Aguilar interception with 12 seconds left on the Wyoming 20 ultimately sunk the Mountaineers. They're 2-2 two two on the season. Arkansas State Southern Miss, Caden. We're going to have some movement in our power rankings on Monday. Arkansas State was a seven-point underdog at home. They went on to win 44-37 to drop Southern Miss to 1-3 on the season. Jalen Rayner, huge first career start, responsible for 330 yards and five touchdowns. Frank Gore did cross the 3,000-yard mark in his career in this game. Billy Wiles continues to struggle as QB1 and Arkansas State got their first Sunbelt win other than ULM in three seasons under Butch Jones. USM, meanwhile, reeling losers of three straight. Three more quick games, Texas State-Nevada in San Marcos. This one a dud in the first half. Texas State was a 17-point favorite. They trailed by 17 at the half, but Caden, 35 unanswered points in the second half to win this game 35-24, finishing with 574 yards of total offense. Ishmael Mahdi, 206 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. And don't look now, Texas State, are they a real contender in the wide open West? They're off to their best start since 2013. Louisiana Buffalo, UL, an eight and a half point favorite. They win 45-38. Dominant rushing attack, 269 yards and four touchdowns on the ground. Washington and Cavoti each go over 100 yards. The defense made some big plays and the Zeon Chris era off to a strong start. And suddenly, Caden, could the Sun Belt make it five weeks in a row with a Power 5 victory with Louisiana heading to Minnesota? James Madison, Utah State, JMU. Winning in a wacky game, led by as many as 24, tied with 11.01 to go. McLeod to Brown for a 74-yard score with 5.52 to go. McLeod finishes the day with six total touchdowns. JMU has 500 yards of offense. Couple big interceptions late to seal the fourth straight 4-0 start to a season for the Dukes. 
Sunbelt teams, Caden, extended their group of five best win streak to 30 games over FCS opponents. Thankfully, ODU got it done. Marshall's Power 5 win over Virginia Tech was their second in two seasons. It was the league's eighth in the last two years and marked the fourth consecutive week with a Power 5 victory. Caden, three Sunbelt teams still undefeated. James Madison and Georgia State at 4-0. Marshall at 3-0 heading into Week 5. And ultimately, the Sunbelt finishing 7-2 in non-conference play this weekend. They have a 674 winning percentage in non-conference games this season. Caden, huge weekend uh, for this conference. Let's jump into some of the bigger matchups on the weekend. And Caden, let's go back to a game that I stood on the sidelines on Thursday night and got an up-close look at. That was Georgia State's 30-17 to win over Coastal Carolina. Georgia State off to their first 4-0 start in program history. Darren Granger improves to 2-0 in his hometown. Caden, the interesting thing, the home team has still never won in this series, and now Georgia State, one of two teams in the Sun Belt at 4-0. Let's start with Georgia State, Caden. I was on the sidelines, as I mentioned. They dominated this football game. This offense led by Granger, Lewis, and Carroll looked unstoppable, particularly in the red zone. Chad Stagg's defense had a huge performance, really frustrating his former team. Caden, week in and week out, uh, this GSU team continues to prove that at this point, they're legit contenders in the Sunbelt East. Oh, they definitely have. This is a unit we were worried about. We were high on coming into the season. We were worried about them in week one, and they're showing against Rhode Island. And week after week, they've continued to build on their success, get better and better. And it all culminated on Thursday night, having just an amazing performance, one of their best conference performances, I think, to date. And it definitely starts with that defense. I think Chad Staggs, the defensive coordinator coming from Coastal, and that definitely showed his familiarity with the Coastal program, Grayson McCall specifically, and that offense. And they just had an amazing performance. They weren't afraid to be aggressive on defense, which is something you don't always see against Coastal Carolina, but they applied pressure constantly. And they were blitzing left and right. They never let Grayson get comfortable. And I think their, their ability to just apply pressure throughout the game, early downs, they were blitzing to set themselves up even more successful in late downs. And I think the secondary played outstanding in those blitz coverages. You leave a lot of guys in one-on-one coverage in those situations, and they came up and showed up and played a fantastic game. Tyge Leach in the secondary played a great game. Brackeese Brown had a couple pass breakups. And then that linebacking core we've been talking so strongly about, Justin Abraham, John Trey Hunter, they were everywhere all over the field. Just a great three-level kind of performance from this team. When you're going to apply pressure, when you're going to take risks, you take your defensive backs and put them in hard situations. They stepped up to the plate, but on offense, man, this is like a different kind of attack for Georgia State. They let Darren Granger completely operate in the pocket and pick this defensive part with his arms, with the short game and the intermediate passing game. And I think that's something we haven't really seen. We're used to this team having their ground and pound attack, but their ability to give Darren Granger the ball and really let him move the chains constantly throughout this game. They did it so effortlessly just because early on they established that passing attack was something that you have to worry about. And then, of course, you're going to get him using his legs, especially on third down, was super effective. And, of course, Marcus Carroll having a masterclass performance per usual on the ground. He had very huge, timely, big runs for this team when they needed it most in clutch moments. He ripped off big runs, had scoring plays, really moved the chains for this team. And I think this move, this whole... This unit on offense is moving differently, but this entire team really is moving differently. And it starts with the emotion, the passion you saw from their head coach on the sideline, all the way down to their special teams contributors who are flying around. So I think this team has a new edge, a different drive to them. They're undefeated. They're scary. And I think they're definitely in the driver's seat right now and at least look like they're going to hold on to it, just given the emotion, the level of energy they're playing with on both sides of the ball and their execution. Okay, do you think Coach Elliott excited to be 4-0 instead of 0-4 this season? Talk to him pregame. He was certainly excited with how his team is playing. 
Meanwhile, on the other side, Coastal Carolina, Caden, some offensive question marks. The O-line really struggled in this game, and I thought it was interesting in the post-game press conference. Coach Beck and the staff really talked about the pressure they received from Georgia State up front. They weren't expecting that. Uh, they struggled to establish the run in the first half, just 23 yards on the ground. Did respond in the second half with 81, but Caden Grayson looked rattled all game long. Heading into this year, offense was not supposed to be the issue for Coastal Carolina. And right now, Caden, they are looking like a shell of themselves. Yeah, Coach Beck said it best. They definitely got caught off of guard. And I think that Coach Staggs, like I mentioned before, his familiarity and his, 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 his way that he knows Grayson, how to get to Grayson and how to get to this offense really showed in this game. And I think we've been talking all offseason about the prowess of the three-time player of the year in Grayson McCall, the explosive weapons he has in the passing attack with Jaron Brown, Sam Pickney, Tyson Mobley played a great game in this one as well. And they have the stable of running backs, but none of that is good without bad, without good offensive line play. I think you saw it in the game plan that was executed perfectly with Georgia State. This is traditionally an offense that you don't want to blitz a ton because that's when you leave your receivers one-on-one -on -one with a quarterback who can usually expose those matchups. And their run game usually as well is something you have to account for hat for hat. And if you have one guy out of their fit, it can be a big play. But in this game, they had no worry about that at all. Georgia State, they were able to blitz and execute that perfectly. And they were able to have Grayson under duress constantly and not very comfortable at all. So I think moving forward this season, you might see other teams adopt this philosophy and that's something Coastal should have to worry about. And I think if their weakness is going to be on the front this year, there's now a blueprint to beat them and be effective up front. So it takes out other, all those other weapons. So very curious to see how moving forward and Coastal rely on their offensive line to pick up protection better, their running backs to pick up protection better. And hopefully this isn't a weakness of their team going forward because we saw how bad it can get if it in fact is. A lot of things for Coastal Carolina to figure out. They will travel to Statesboro for a nationally televised game versus Georgia Southern, who's 3-1 and one, coming off of a 40-3 win over Ball State in Week 4. Georgia State, meanwhile, heads home. The fans need to come out and support this football team. They're going to welcome Troy coming off of a 27-24 win over Western Kentucky as they look to continue their best start in program history. Caden, moving on to our second matchup of this episode, Marshall-Virginia Tech. Uh, Marshall wins this one 24-17. This was the second straight year with a Power 5 win for the Thundering Herd. You may remember them beating Notre Dame uh, a year ago. Caden, you could argue uh, who had the bigger win on campus, though their men's soccer team, number one in the nation, defeated number three UCF, uh, you know, and ultimately the Herd winning on the football field as well. Caden, thinking back to Friday's episode, your key for Marshall in this game was getting off to a fast start. They did just that with 17 points in the second quarter. Cam Fancher looked strong early, although did have a couple of costly interceptions in this game. Rasheen Ali continues his strong season, 174 yards and two more touchdowns on the ground. Now three straight games with two or more touchdowns, seven on the year. Caden, a lot of good on this team, but there was a drop-off a little bit later on in this game for Marshall. Yeah, we were definitely curious on the offensive side of the ball coming off of the bye week if they were going to emphasize maybe starting faster after not playing well in the first half at all this season. They definitely answered the call. You saw Cam Fancher's first interception wasn't a good one, but then after that first drive, they looked brand new. He was efficient. He was relying, relying on his tight end, Cade Connolly, who had a ton of balls in the flat, and he was just getting fed constantly, which built up Cam's confidence to where we saw him throwing some accurate deep balls. We saw him playing with some confidence and really being effective with his legs as well. And I think 
we saw and talked about how Rashin Ali has worn teams down this year in the run game and really broke through in the fourth quarter, but not in this one. The pass game allowed him to get off to a faster start, and as a result, he had his best game of the season with those 174 yards. We see now if this offense can open things up, how it can continue to open things up for their run game, and it was very clear in the first half, but in the second half, they did lose some steam. They had three three and outs, came through another interception. He does tend to make those mistakes, Still, so he's liable for a couple passes a game that are very interceptable. So I think going forward, the just key to this offense is going to be how much they let him operate despite those deficiencies. If he can improve and connect on some of those deep passes, we saw his offense can blossom in the first half. Just curious to see going forward if they continue to give him those reins, if they continue to give him that long leash and allow him to operate because it's clear first half Cam Fancher was great. Second half is a lot more of what we've seen this season. What does it look like going forward? Do we see more of that pass game? Do we see them get step up in that department? And as a result, Rasheen Ali becomes a big beneficiary of that. So very excited for this offense going forward. Great to see them have a great start. Want a better finish, obviously, though. Okay, and on the other side, Marshall's defense continues to be elite. You hold Virginia Tech to 2 of 13 on third down, although the Hokies playing with their backup quarterback. Caden, Eli Neal talked about it after the game. He said this team needs to play 60 minutes at max effort, and just other teams are not going to be able to match that. We saw that in this game. Five players had sacks. They hit the opposing quarterback 11 times forced a pair of fumbles. Caden, uh, there's certainly no fears of seeing any form of a defensive drop-off this year for Marshall. Yeah, Marshall, Marshall's defense this weekend just straight up looked like the best in the conference. I spoke in the preview about how their best players are playing the best, and they continue to build on that. You talk about no Grant Walls in this one, but the backup quarterback, Kyron Drones, did give this team some problems with his legs. He had that improbable highlight play touchdown early in the game where he just broke some bad tackles, had some bad luck for Marshall. But from that point forward, this unit was locked in. Owen Porter is still a madman, like I said before, two sacks and a forced fumble in this game. And I didn't think he was going to be able to build on his season last year, just given his position as that edge rusher. But he's continued to build on that special season. And he's getting a ton of help now as well on that defensive line from guys like Ty Quest Legs and Sam Burton, who have been balling out this year. Their fingerprints were all over this game as well. Eli Neal, who you just mentioned, had his best game of the season, which we love to see for him, 10 tackles in a sack. Micah Abraham is still that dude in the back end. He had three pass breakups in this game. He saved a touchdown with one of them. Surprised they're still throwing to this guy, but you saw this defense is special. It's a big reason why I picked this team to come out of the East. They're the best scoring defense in the conference right now. They're holding teams to about 300 yards a game. They get pressure. They stop the run. They're solid in the secondary. They do everything, and they showcase that in this game against Power 5 competition and personnel, which probably makes them one of the scariest units, offense or defense, in the entire conference. And one of those teams who's always going to have those championship aspirations as long as they're playing those 60 minutes of fiery, intense football. Kaden, you're picking the East uh, to win the East. Marshall certainly looking a lot better than mine, Coastal Carolina, at this point. Marshall stays home to face Old Dominion in Week 5. Old Dominion coming in 2-2, two and two, but coming off of a 10-9 to nine win over an FCS program. Kaden Marshall going to look to stay undefeated. Third matchup of the day to talk about Troy Western Kentucky. Troy wins this game 27-24. And Caden, uh, this year, Troy on the right end of a Hail Mary. Uh, Chris Lewis with a 40-yard catch to make it 10-7 at the half. Kamani Vidal had his ninth career 100-plus yard rushing game. He looked like a wrecking ball in this one. And uh, he's now just 577 yards short of becoming Troy's all-time leading rusher. Gain, this was interesting. John Summerall, 9-1 at home uh, in his career as the Trojans head coach. Caden, this might be the first time in two years that we'll start a matchup for Troy by talking about their offense. They deserve to be, after this performance, 521 yards of total offense in this game, just 288 for Western Kentucky. 
Gaden Troy looked dominant on the ground, 172 yards to just 20 for the Hilltoppers. Uh, Gunnar Watson was the best quarterback on the field in this game, had a season-high 349 yards and a touchdown, completed 63% of his passes. Kamani Baidal bounces back with 156 yards, six yards per carry. Two touchdowns were actually his first of the year. And Chris Lewis might be the best wide receiver in the Sun Belt. Caden, this is the best John Summerall offense uh, we've seen so far. Yeah, this is the offense we heard about in the offseason that's supposed to be new-ish and improved. Just going toe-to-toe with this Western Kentucky offense and outscoring them is not an easy thing to do and not things that many teams are able to do. And this time they were able to do it fully under the lead of Gunnar Watson and Watson under center, unlike last year. I think aside from a couple defensive linemen candidates, Gunnar Watson's looking like the most improved in player in the conference this year. His comfort, his rhythm, just his trust with his wideouts is so much more polished and confident than last year. And I think this year he definitely early on passed the eye test for me as far as even what he was able to do in the Kansas State game. But we saw it on full display in this one. And I think he absolutely won this matchup. You mentioned he beat Austin Reed and this defense, which is not a hard thing to do. And I think for Troy fans, you have to be super optimistic. You can't talk about him in this game without obviously talking about Chris Lewis, who you mentioned. I don't know if he's the best receiver right now in the conference, but he's definitely looking like the best athlete in the conference right now. The SEC size is there from Kentucky. He really showed it in this one. The Hail Mary grab was obviously one thing. The one-handed grab was another one. And I think it's very clear that Gunner has a level of confidence in him that you love to see. I also got to give out to Deshaun, a shout out to Deshaun Stoudemire, who looks like he's taking a leap as well. And it's just clear he had that unfortunate, unfortunate fumble earlier, but it's clear that Watson just has a different level of chemistry this year with this year with a wide receiver group that we were worried about with some of the losses they had last year. And then, of course, Vidal, he had an amazing and elite showing in the run game and in the pass game out of the backfield as well. We saw some good things from the backup running back, Damian Taylor as well, who came through crucial on some carries. And I think when all the men- names I just mentioned before are producing like this, there's no doubt that this offense that is, we saw last year maybe not play its part is going to play this part its part this year and that they might not have to rely on the defense as much as we saw last year. So some scary stuff and some great stuff I think we saw from Troy as far as what they can do moving forward with their offensive attack. We talked offense, but it would not be a Troy recap without talking some defense, Caden. And this was a vintage performance. You hold Western Kentucky to 51 offensive plays. That was the fewest offensive plays for the Hilltopper since 2010. Just 12 rushing attempts in this game, which was the fewest ever by a Trojans opponent. 288 yards of offense given up. They held Western Kentucky to 3 of 10 on third down. Caden, this was about as complete a game as possible. They executed this defensive game plan to perfection. Yeah, this defense still still has the juice, and we saw it last weekend, even though it didn't result in a win, but now we just saw it against one of the most high-powered offenses in the entire country. I mean, Western Kentucky, they're going to rack up yards every game they play. This defense never let that get to them. They limited the big-time explosive plays, and they kept a team that's guaranteed to rack up the yardage, not to rack up the points that usually come with that as well. So you got to tip your hat off to them. A lot of that has to do with getting off the field. Like you mentioned, they were amazing on third down in this game. They had a great big fourth down stop in this one as well. And I just think that allows your offense now to get the ball better and possess the rock like they did. They dominated it in this one with 38 minutes of possession for Troy. And I think a lot of that had to do with their defense, just simply limiting the amount of plays that the offense was running, like you mentioned, and getting off of the field in timely scenarios. They weren't wreaking havoc up front with pressure statistically, but they made Austin Reed work for every single yard he had to get in this one. And they were absolutely stout in the run game, which made them even more one-dimensional than they already are. Just a perfectly executed game plan, very specific to the team they were playing, and just some strong play late per usual that we're used to seeing with this Troy team that's looking maybe more complete even than it did last year from offense and defense. 
Well, Troy heads to Atlanta to face a perfect Georgia State team coming in at 4-0. They are coming off of a 30-17 win over Coastal Carolina and on their best start in program history. The Trojans looking to get above 500 with a victory in Atlanta next weekend. Caden, let's move on to, I think, one of the biggest surprises of the weekend. Arkansas State 44, Southern Miss 37. This one turned into a shootout in Jonesboro, and Caden, I would dare say the unlikely team came out on top. Jalen Rayner had a huge performance in his first collegiate start. FGJ reached the 3,000-yard mark in his collegiate career. Caden, we came in talking about USM starting quarterback. We left, though, talking about Arkansas State's. Jalen Rayner had a huge first collegiate start uh, for an offense that had kind of a revolving door. At quarterback, Rayner really slammed that shot this weekend. He threw for 233 yards and three touchdowns, also ran for a team-high 97 yards in two scores, all told responsible for north of 300 yards and five total touchdowns. Caden, much like Louisiana did last weekend, it feels like Arkansas State might have just found their quarterback of the future. Very good observation in parallel, Noah. I think Jalen Rayner is... Just, just helped this team pull off their most impressive win in Sunbelt since Coach Jones has been their coach. I mean, we saw him go four for six with a touchdown pass against Stony Brook. He was effective with his legs with 57 yards on the ground in that moment. We never saw this coming from the freshman, and it's clear that Southern Miss didn't see it coming either. And I think we mainly didn't see it coming because of that revolving door you were talking about at quarterback. But man, this kid put on an absolute show, whether it was Lane Havacher or Justin Blackman. We just haven't seen a quarterback really elevate this team past a conference opponent other than wins over ULM in the past. And Rayner absolutely did it. He was the elevator that this team needed and we haven't seen in the quarterback position for a while. And I think he adds a new dynamic and element to this offense that's super exciting. Southern Miss was not ready for his legs. They were not prepared for anything he was doing on the run game with the quarterback design runs. They were effective and they were getting pressure on Rayner, but they had four sacks in this one. But I think his ability to evade pressure, extend plays, scramble for more yards, and really just put on his Superman cape and lift up this offense is just something we haven't seen in Jonesboro in a while and was a great performance. They had nothing to do with the design run game. They couldn't stop it at all. And I think it was super effective against Southern Miss and something that their defense is going to have to worry about later. But he also just hit on his passes at just enough enough of a rate. He hit those deep plays that really secured this team their win and how, allowed them to extend their lead throughout the game. And it just as a freshman, you just, you're just you so curious how they're going to continue to center this offense around him and how they're going to continue to build on it in the future. But just a shout-out performance from him, just a great job by him, just providing a quarterback showing that we really haven't seen at Arkansas State in quite some time, especially as a freshman. Just super impressive stuff. Caden, though, on the other side, stark contrast. We saw inconsistency across the board from this Southern Miss team, not really confident in any of their units right now, offense, defense, special teams. We did finally see the Frank Gore from last year, but Caden quarterback play continues to be suboptimal this season. Uh, they gave up their most conference points since 2019 in this game. Caden, this team is looking like a shell of the bowl team from a year ago, and it might be time to try something new at quarterback. I'm just saying. It might be just giving up how this game went. You do not want to lose to this Arkansas State team that's kind of been notoriously the worst team in the conference. I also want to shout out Dom Savada for Arkansas State. He had some big points in this game as well to really keep this team and extend that lead. But as far as Southern Miss goes, I mean, they just weren't able to get things going and play cohesive football on both sides of the ball, complementary football. I think their offense, I think their ceiling was reached in this game in a couple ways. Their very first drive was a beautiful 12-play touchdown drive. They found themselves down 17 points and were able to score 17 unanswered points. The run game it's back is looking like Frank Gore is looking like himself and that supporting cast 
had a strong showing, but you mentioned it. Billy Wiles had an interception deep in their own territory in the second drive that allowed a state to get the ball on their eight yard line for an easy touchdown. That was one of his two interceptions on the day. They had a block punt in this game. It just it was a sloppy first half for this team, and they just were never able to really recover despite being able to tie this game up and really recover on the scoreboard. They weren't able to recover. I just feel like from a morale standpoint, being on the road and playing a team that really had them rattled throughout this team had a bunch of three and outs. I think every one of them and a four and out always resulted in points for Arkansas State. The defense won the locker room and probably had a long talk about Jalen Rayner's legs and how to stop him. He comes out and has a 60-yard bomb touchdown in the first drive after a kickoff gets returned to midfield. This team just was had a bad loss. They had a bad day. Whenever the offense was playing good, the defense wasn't, vice versa, the special teams it leaked over to. So I think the quarterback position is one they have to answer for sure moving forward. But they just have a lot of questions, I think, as a team as far as who they want to be. Can they reach that winning level right now and just really be a team that's not looked at as a bottom team in the Sun Belt, one that can rise and has higher aspirations that we talked about this offseason? Caden, through the first three weeks, all we heard about was how challenging the schedule is. It might not be the schedule's fault right now. Southern Miss will host Texas State, uh, who's 1-3. They're coming off of a 35-24 win over Nevada. Texas State off to their best start since 2013. Southern Miss going to try to right the ship in that game. Arkansas State, meanwhile, heads to UMass, who's 1-4, coming off of an overtime loss to New Mexico. Arkansas State going to try to pick up their third win through three weeks. Well, Caden, we started this on last week's episode. We want to cover more games on this podcast, so we introduced the lightning round. We're going to continue that trend right here. Let's jump into some other games from the weekend, and first we'll start with James Madison, 45, Utah State, 38. Caden, JMU off to their fourth straight 4-0 start to the season, dating back to 2020. They were they led by as many as 24 in this game. They had a go-ahead 74-yard touchdown pass from McLeod to Brown late, back-to-back interceptions, ultimately sealing the win in Utah. Caden, quickly, JMU's offense carried this team. Defense gave up a season-high 38 points. They had 14 last week against Troy. Uh, McLeod had a huge performance, 365 yards and four touchdowns in the year. Did have two interceptions, but also added two running scores. 500 yards of offense for the first time since last year's season-ending win over Coastal Carolina. Game the running game looked good. Wide receivers had a huge day. Caden, this offense was firing on all cylinders. Yeah, and I think it's the first time we've really seen them fire on all cylinders since that Tots and Tail era. I think they reached the point now as an offense where Jordan McLeod is more comfortable and fully comfortable in this system. He can deliver in the pass game now. He can be effective with his legs, which we saw in the red zone in this game for him punching in two scores. And he can really continue to rely on that run game that's been there for him. He found Reggie Brown on numerous big-time explosive plays. Their touchdowns were 74 yards and 57 yards to him. So I think maybe we're seeing him even come to his own and start to be that Chris Thornton-esque role player in the passing game we saw last year. Love what we're seeing from Elijah Surratt. And I think, obviously, the run game's still going to be there. Had a great showing from Black and Law. And I think this team left their foot off of the gas in the second half, both on offense and on defense, which is hard to see. It's a West Coast game. You don't love to see it. But I think this team, if we see more of their first half showing for the rest of the season, which I believe we'll see, this is going to be a team that maybe gets back to that level we saw last year where both the offense and defense are clicking so much that it's just outright. We know what we're getting from this team. It's dominance week in and week out, and that gets to those championship aspirations that we saw last season. Well, JMU, they will welcome South Alabama to Harrisonburg. South Alabama 2-2 two and two on the season, coming off of a four-point loss in a game that they were favored by 15 against Central Michigan in Week 4. JMU is going to look for their second straight 5-0 and start to the season. And if you're a fan of the JMU Sound Off podcast, I'm going to be joining uh, that crew tomorrow night to talk about that game this coming weekend. 
Caden, our seventh matchup to talk about Louisiana over Buffalo, 45 to 38. The score, the Zeon Chris era off to a 2 0 start. And Caden, the interesting aspect of this game, Louisiana got not one, but two 100 plus yard rushing performances. Draylon Washington returning from injury. Kabodi continues his strong season. Tyree Skipper had a big interception late in this game that sealed Louisiana's third win. Caden, offensively, this UL offense has not had an identity the last two seasons. It feels like they've developed one now around a dominant running game. 269 yards on the ground, including four touchdowns, two for Chris, two for Kabodi. Average 7.1 yards per carry. Caden, suddenly with Chris leading this offense in the run game, performing at a high level, this Louisiana team looks like a real threat in what is a wide-open Sunbelt West. They're definitely a friend. They definitely have an identity. The Zion Chris show continues. They take it another week with this big win. And I think he wasn't necessarily as spectacular and as effective as he was in his last performance. But I think we were able to see him get the job done largely due to that strong rushing attack, which you mentioned. I mean, he ends this game with 70 yards on the ground. He gets loose on a 54-yard scramble to where some of his wide receivers were blocking down the field, which is huge for this team and which you love to see the offensive line blocks for first downs, but the receivers block for touchdowns. And we saw that in this game, both with Chris's legs and that stable of backs. Draylon Washington had that dominant performance coming off of an injury, getting 100 yards for him, which I think will kind of pave the way for a very strong season. And you mentioned Jacob Kadobi too, getting involved with his second straight 100-yard rushing game. He has three scores in the past two weeks. I think you have to give a shout out to this offensive line as well. Zion's only been sacked three times this year, and they've paved the way for an offense that leads the conference now in rushing very early. Plus, you keep seeing the continued success and evolution and them being able to use a ton of different pass catchers. They had nine different guys catch passes in this game, four guys that had four catches. So I think with all of that kind of setting combined, you kind of have to like and buy some of that stock we're seeing in Louisiana moving forward this season under their new quarterback. Well, Louisiana heads to Big Ten country to face Minnesota, who's 2-2 two and two on the season, coming off of a three-point overtime loss to a not very good Northwestern side. Louisiana going to try to pick up the conference's fifth straight or fifth consecutive week with a Power 5 win as they try to move to 4-1 and one on the season. Caden, Wyoming, App State, and thank goodness all we have is three minutes to talk about this one. We might need a bonus episode uh, to talk about your thoughts on this game. Wyoming 22, App State 19. Caden, on Friday's episode, I talked about how tough of a place this was to play. Wyoming has now won 10 straight home non-conference games. App State had a five-point lead with under two minutes to go, but a blocked field goal return for a touchdown, and then Joey Aguilar throws a late interception to seal the deal. Caden, if you're App State, you must feel like this one slipped away. You give up 15 points in the fourth quarter. The story for App in this game was just not finishing drives. They had Three 12-plus play drives end in 30 or yard or less field goals. Hughes had a career day. Caden, this offense had over 200 yards of total offense more than Wyoming. They outrushed him 200 to 31, nearly 41 minutes of possession. App dominated this football game, but still lost. Is, it, is this the type of game that you want heading into Sunbelt play? Absolutely not, no. It's highlighted by missed opportunities for the offense, and it's not the kind of thing you want heading into conference play. We talked about what can travel with this App State team this year on the road, just given their struggles last year. And the offense and the decision-making did not travel with them on this one. This team had full control of the game the entire time. They never took matters into their own hands to win it. And you just see it through the stats. They won this game outright if you just didn't look at the box scores. If you just looked at the box scores and didn't look at the actual scoreboard, they run the pass battle. They run the run battle. They had 
won the penalty battle, third downs. They absolutely dominated the time of possession against a team that typically dominates in this department. And you can't score a single touchdown as an offense. They started the day and ended the day trading in those touchdowns for field goals. And they did that just throughout the contest and couldn't break through and couldn't get that red zone offense they needed to get into the end zone. I think the whole time they should have had a lead and they were playing like they had a lead. And as a result, they let a Wyoming team hang around for the entire game. And we know how well they play at home. And that's kind of the result you get when you kind of sleep on teams and sleepwalk through the entire day. They had an early Deshaun Davis turnover through a mental error, which was bad. Joey Aguilar had that interception late, like you mentioned, that late that you mentioned, that was just a bad decision, which we're kind of seeing now game after game. He might have one or two throws that are going to be intercepted that are just bad news. And this one was just the least timely of all of them during the season. I think the defense, shout out to them. They played great in this game. They scored the only touchdown of the day that App State had in this one. They got gashed on one giant touchdown in the fourth quarter, but they had a really strong showing across the board. But I think they had zero help from the offense and the special teams. They got a kick block late that resulted in points. So knowing this fan base and seeing what this fan base is saying on Twitter, they're mad at Coach Clark. They're mad at Coach Ponce. They're very upset. This team remains 0-6 in their last six road games. They just have to clean up their offense, and they have to get that killer instinct and get back to that instinct we've seen with those championship teams in the past. This is a performance. That was very reminiscent of some moments we saw this team last year that were very low. Very curious to see how they bounce back going on the road again against the opponent they're supposed to be in ULM going forward in conference play. Yeah, great point right there. This App State team will travel to Monroe, Louisiana to face ULM, a 2-1 and team coming off of their bye week after they were routed by Texas A&M in week three. Feels like a trap game for the Mountaineers heading down to Louisiana. Caden, two more matchups to talk about. This next one, Central Michigan taking down South Alabama 34-30. to This one, a back-and-forth battle in which South Alabama led 14-13 to at the half. They trailed, though, by 10 with 14-47 left in the fourth quarter. They picked up 10 unanswered points on Webb and Lacey touchdowns, but they gave up the winning score with 13 seconds remaining. Caden, similar to App State, this is a game that South Alabama should have won. The offense played well over 400 yards of total offense. They outrushed Central Michigan, LaDamian Webb, Colin Lacey, each had two touchdowns. But, Caden, the real storyline for me in this game was South Alabama's defense. It struggled to get off the field on third down situations. Nine of 13 was Central Michigan. They give up 350 yards of offense. You had a bad penalty late in this game. Caden, for this team, defense was supposed to be the strength, but through four weeks, it's left a lot to be desired. Yeah, it was very similar, I think, to the App State game as far as the character of this game and this team being a championship level team, but not going in there and taking the win like we want to see them, especially if you're a fan of this team. This is a clean game of football. Neither team was heavily penalized. Neither team turned the ball over, but it was just very similar to App State to where they couldn't rise to the occasion and deliver very similar to how they did last week. And we saw them do it last week against Oklahoma State. They let this team hang around. They let them stick around. And as a result, when you play teams on the road, this is what you get in both App State and South Alabama. Any team can lose if they sleepwalk on either side of the ball through the second half of the game on the road. And you mentioned it, South Alabama's defense couldn't get off the field on thirds downs. They finally got the ball back to the offense. And when Central Michigan did have the ball in their own right, they ran in and possessed the ball just enough to win this one. They capitalized on some big plays. Their quarterback really gave their defense problems with his legs. And we know that South Alabama is going to face more mobile quarterbacks in the future. He had an unreal scramble for a 70-yard pass. That was like a one-of-one play in the fourth quarter. And that's just when you kind of felt like the air was taken out of this team and it was taken out of both sides of the ball. South Alabama came back and answered with two scores to kind of get back into this game and take the lead. But once Central Michigan had the ball on the last drive and they were the last team with the ball, you kind of felt like just given the game and just the pulse of this team throughout the contest, they weren't going to be able to pull out a win. We saw this team's ceiling last week 
on both sides of the ball, but we absolutely saw the floor at a lot of points during this game. I think this offense gets stagnant at times when the run game isn't where there for them. It seems like Carter's playing by himself. There was just a ton of missed opportunities. There was a ton of plays where there was deep passes that could have been scores or explosive plays to take momentum, but this team never took momentum into his hands. So both this team and App State going forward, just playing tough conference competition. Very curious to see how they can play on a quarterly basis. They have quarters where they look bad. They have moments where they look good, but can they all put it together and be the championship caliber teams that we talked about heading into the year? Well, South Alabama, they will look to rebound from this disappointing loss when they head to Harrisonburg, Virginia to face undefeated James Madison in week five. The Dukes 4-0 coming off of a seven-point win in Utah. Caden, moving on, final matchup that we'll talk about. Texas State 35, Nevada 24. This game was the largest comeback in Texas State's FBS history. They trailed 17-0 at the half. Scored 35 unanswered points in the second half. And Caden, don't look now. Texas State off to their best four-game start since 2013. Caden, the interesting thing, Texas State showed us something new this weekend. The ability to come from behind. With their offense, they're never really out of football games. They scored 35 unanswered points in the second half. Caden, this was interesting. They put up 20 yards per minute in this game. They finished with 574 yards of offense, 276 yards on the ground is particularly scary for opponents. Ishmael Mahdi, uh, you know, went off for 206 yards and two touchdowns, plus TJ Finley had another strong day. Caden, some of these West teams are looking a bit vulnerable right now, and this offense firmly makes Texas State a West contender right now. Love that 20, point, 20 yards a, a minute stat. That's an amazing one. It just shows you how great this offense is. But yeah, they definitely have to com- be considered a West contender after this week. And they unlocked a new ability after really checking all of the boxes through the entire couple weeks of the season. They unlocked a new ability and something we haven't seen before from this team. And really the last thing we would have to see from this team for them to improve themselves. And that's the ability to come back from being down. They were ahead for most of the Baylor game and the Jackson State game. They were in a close one with UTSA, but this one, they just got to show off a new ability. They had some sloppy play late in the Jackson State game that kind of bled into this game a little bit when you saw their start, but they just also had some bad luck. They had that long pick six that just took it to the house to start things off. They had a fumble recovered on their on their goal line for a touchdown that kind of left this team down 17-0 early, but they absolutely responded. You talk about Ismail Mahdi. He showed some flashes of potential in this season of what he could be with his athleticism, but he put that on full display in this one with 216 yards on the ground, two scores. Love that they can show they can get it done on the ground as well in the past game. It's the first time we've really seen them lean on that this year. TJ Finley really picked things up in the second half. And you mentioned they go on a 35-0 run to start that second half. And of course, you have to shout out the defense. The defense never gets enough love when you talk about teams going on a however many points oh run. This team gave up a field goal on the first drive of the game and then a touchdown on the very last drive of the game. Just an absolutely well-coached defensive performance by this team in this entire Really, the offense, the defense, the special teams, they checked all the boxes. And I think now going forward, just given the film and given their resume heading into conference play, there's no doubt they're a scary opponent and a contender in the West for sure. Well, this Texas State team, they're going to look to pick up their fourth win of the season versus a suddenly reeling Southern Miss team who's one in three, having lost their third straight week to Arkansas State in Hattiesburg. Kate, another great week for the Sun Belt. They go seven and two in non-conference games. We saw a couple of good conference games as well. Time for a closing thought on on week four. It's about contenders and pretenders, Noah. I think this conference is very deep. There's a, t- a lot of good teams that have shown us a lot of good, and there's some teams that have also shown us some bad. So I think as we head into conference play, now given all of the four-week resumes of this team, just very curious to see who can keep building on their momentum, 
who can maybe create some new momentum that needs it, especially some of the top teams in the conference. And I think we're about to now figure out head-to-head matchups, how these teams match up with each other. I think a lot of offenses can give a lot of defenses problems and vice versa. So just super excited. And I think this is the perfect week to kind of usher in us getting closer to conference play as we head to the important time of ball this year and the time that really gets us excited as we get to figure out which divisional races are going to go which way and who's going to really come out on top. A lot up in the air right now. The West looking wide open. The Sun Belt East looking like one of the more dangerous divisions in all of college football. Well, that will do it for our week four recap on the Prairie and Smith podcast. The Sun Belt football season continues to serve up quality entertainment week in and week out. Before you go, here's a quick reminder. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll be releasing our next student athlete interview featuring Troy Trojan's defensive lineman Richard Jubinar. Uh, you won't want to miss that interview. One final thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you do one thing for us. Share this podcast with at least one of your friends. Help us help you by continuing to grow this show into the premier destination for Sunbelt football fans. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending more time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.